0: you haven't already, check out Necronomapod on CastBox, a top podcast app on iOS and Android with more than 28 million users worldwide. CastBox has a brand new way to find content you'll love. Just enter a keyword or phrase and the app searches the show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. Download CastBox today and see for yourself.
1: In part two of our discussion on Scientology, we continue our look into L. Ron Hubbard and his journey into forming this cult. Today, we'll explore Dianetics and how this science led to the official formation of Scientology. Brace yourself. By the end of this episode, much like us, you're all gonna be experts on engrams, analytical minds, reactive minds, security checks, genetic entities, thetans, e-meters, audits, clams, tone scales, Clear Minds, The Fair Game Law, and Why Dianetics Believes Women Are the Absolute Worst. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought IRS audits were scary,
0: stick around. These motherfuckers won't just take your assets, they'll take your soul. This is Necronomopod.
2: So, but anyway, there is this mind
3: and then there's a body. So actually a spirit is wearing a mind and it's wearing a body. And uh, when you audit
1: or process a person, he then is able to confront this mind,
2: which hitherto has been totally invisible to him. I hear about it. the unconscious
3: mind. Well, yes, there's the conscious mind, the unconscious mind, all any kind of mind is simply a composite mass uh, which contains
1: experience, pictures of experience traumatic experience pleasant experience and so forth
2: this is a record of his experience and uh, that is his mind
1: so if you're going to a get together mm-hmm. we're going to say this is going to be like something that starts in the daytime like summer early afternoon late afternoon into the evening like a picnic and going to go late it could be a picnic it could just be a house party could be an orgy um, but I don't want you to focus on the food. It could be an orgy. You'll need to stay hydrated. <laughs> top three beers. Interesting. In the summertime. N- not necessarily. Oh. Uh, um. Spring. But I just I didn't want to I didn't want to pinpoint it so that you're thinking like only one way. Like essentially, I just want to know what are your top three favorite go to beers that will allow me to keep drinking all day. So not
0: necessarily twelve percent beers because you want to keep drinking all day. Sure.
1: I mean, yeah. I don't know, you can kind of play with that. But your top three beers in general, I'll go first because I kind of caught you guys off guard there. Mm. Miller Lite's always my go to. Sure. I think yeah. We can all we all drink Miller Lite pretty easily. And I like that one because it's very light. You can drink it all day. Very drinkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been going to town on Dos Equis Lager, not the Amber, the lager recently. That's become one of my new favorites. And I like that because it's it almost tastes like just like a Mexican Budweiser, I think little heavier than Miller, but again, you could probably drink that all day and still be fine. Yeah. And then I probably would say Sierra Nevada's torpedo Double Torpedo IPA or I'm Torpedo never. Double IPA. Mm. It's really good. Dave, you would not enjoy uh, that. It sounds awful. You would not like that. Have you ever had Stone Cold's Broken Skull IPA? No. I'm going to have to order some more of that. You could try it. It's actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my three. Torpedo, Sierra Nevada's Torpedo IPA, Dosecki, and Miller Lite. I would say... And I guess the way I should have
3: phrased the question is like your anytime beers, your top three anytime beers. Well, it would be Miller Lite. That's a given. If not Miller Lite, then Yingling. And then if I'm going to get fancy, it would be that that Blood Orange uh, IPA. Who makes oh, like I
1: forgot who makes that. Thirsty
3: Dog. Yes. Yeah. Thirsty
1: Blood Orange IPAs are yeah.
3: phenomenal.
1: Okay. Miller Lite, Heineken, Modelo. Nice. Mm. I do enjoy Heineken. Me too. Modellos are good. i never had Modelo in a while. I love Modelo. You mean you don't want Fosters? <laughs> what does Fosters mean again? I reckon
0: it's Australian for Bia. <laughs> it's getting better every week, right?
1: <laughs> Bia. Somebody had told me that you sounded, when you say it, you sound like kevin from the office when he does his australian accent <laughs> <laughs> that's a compliment <laughs> did you see he's selling shirts now the what's his actual actor's name um brian baumgartner or garter or whatever he's selling shirts of like him laying on the floor with spilt chili like it's a cartoon drawing but <laughs> when he drops the chili it's hilarious fantastic. it's really cool anyways all right we had a little bit of normalcy now let's get into some cult time crazy Cult talk. time back at it for part 2 of 3. Where
3: do we leave yeah. off, Ian? Can you remind everyone? <laughs> so last week we left off with Elron was in a in a bit of a low spot, kind of bummed out about his navy career, bummed out at the fact that his marriage had failed, which I don't really understand cuz he had Sarah Northrup, but he was still bummed out and that was all his fault that that marriage failed, but so then he started his affirmations cuz cult leaders are not failures, Ian. So a exactly. divorce is a failure. <laughs> that's that's uh, a true. that's a good point um i say cult that
1: is my opinion that is mike talking it's my opinion that this is a cult
3: <laughs> not an opinion of uh cool Down media llc <laughs> 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 so and then he went into the uh the science the fantasy club in los angeles learned his uh mastered his his trade of hypnosis and then figured it was time to launch his uh his new science Exciting times my friends part one of Scientology
1: available in the archives We recommend you check that out before listening to the part two really doesn't Fit the story together if you're just jumping in right now. No, what's wrong with you? Why are you listening to part two before part one? Yeah turn this off right now go listen to part one Then go listen to art bell and then become a patron listen to art bell part two and then listen to Scientology part two Welcome back
3: So, dianetics was first mentioned in the December 1949 issue of Astounding Science Fiction, where the editor said, "Quote: The power is almost unbelievable. It proves the mind not only can but does rule the body completely.
0: Almost unbelievable. It's Shocking. <laughs> what does that word mean? Dianetics is some sort of Latin root word, study of
3: the mind. Dumb something. It's a study of
1: dumb fuckery." <laughs>
3: In April 1949, the editor talked more about the upcoming new science called Dianetics, saying it could cure insanity, give a person perfect memory, and a higher IQ. And (laughs) also interesting that the claim of um, insanity is that it's uh, contagious. Insanity is contagious? Yeah, like mental illness is contagious. So (laughs) (laughs) don't get coughed on by somebody (laughs) that has like uh, schizophrenia or something.
1: In all fairness, Britney Spears once said... You drive me crazy. Mm. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> it's contagious. She drives your eardrums crazy. That's what she does. Yeah, crazy in love. <laughs> was, that, was that was a Beyonce song, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know why I'm looking at yeah, you, Dave. It is. Do you know? Do you know that? Sure, I do. Of course. Okay. Forgot, I know good I forgot, music. Forgot you're a huge Beyonce fan. See, I was more of a Destiny's Child guy myself. Nothing wrong with that. It's all better than Britney, man. It's not. It's not.
3: This also claimed that um, that Dianetics would completely cure certain ailments like asthma. Uh, it was also claimed that Dianetics had been tested and cured over 250 people. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Strike cured. <laughs> one of the first followers was John W. Campbell, who we mentioned in part one. He was the editor that took Hubbard under his wing at the beginning of his writing career. Campbell was one of the first subjects to undergo auditing which we'll get into later, he was taken further and further back through his memories until he arrived at the moment of his birth. This supposedly got rid of Campbell's cyanitis. So C- Campbell was 100% on board, but it's pretty, pretty likely that Hubbard hypnotized him into believing that his cyanitis was gone.
1: Hypnotism's obviously the most likely of this story.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Yes. It's interesting. They're already calling it science and that it's not even close to being science.
3: Well, so what I was reading about this this period in time was that the science the science fiction community they had a pretty big uh, pretty big egos about themselves back in the forties, and because a lot of their stories that they were writing, like about like rockets and different shit, were kind of coming true, you know, like and it was, like some of them that is true, sure. So they fancied themselves like as like they were on this leading edge of the newest thing. And they were fully sold that one of these days, one of them was going to come up with like the next new science. that was like their science and
1: by writing science fiction.
3: Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay. And L. Ron Hubbard is the, was the guy to come to the forefront of that whole yeah, thought process. All right. That makes sense.
1: Cause I, I was going to bring that up before, like in the issue of astounding science fiction. So off the bat, like I'm just thinking like, okay, this is a magazine where it's just fake science. And just like people having fun and being imaginary.
3: Right. Yeah. But like I said, they had like this this thought behind them that because the things that they were writing about, some of it, you know, it was coming true. But that was
0: more about predicting future enhancements. And like you, there's books and stuff where you go back and like the stuff that was created on Star Trek eventually becoming true. And it's that same kind of right. thing. But th- that's
1: not what we're talking about with this clown. So you're telling me if I write enough like Britney Spears fan fiction that that might come true?
3: Oh, like you're now. You're saying you're going to will your fan fiction into well, that's into what truth. they're that's
1: what they're doing clearly. So well,
3: that's magic. Yeah, you're talking about magic now.
1: Well, but they're they're just making stuff up and saying, well, this is going to come true. They're
3: predicting what the future will hold. Based, okay, on. okay, I'm
1: predicting in my fan fiction.
3: What are you? You're predicting something for well, we're yourself, not get or the specifics you specifics okay. of that? Oh, now. Okay,
1: it's a kids' show. <laughs>
3: With Campbell being completely on board with this, he wrote to a doctor friend of his named Dr. Joseph Winter saying, quote,
1: With cooperation from some institutions, some psychiatrists, Hubbard has worked on all types of cases, institutionalized schizophrenics, apathies, manics, depressives, perverts, stuttering, neurosis, in all nearly a thousand cases, but just a brief sampling of each type. He doesn't have proper statistics in the usual sense. But he has one statistic. He has cured every patient he worked with. He has cured ulcers, arthritis, asthma.
0: So literally this is not peer-reviewed and there's no uh, empirical evidence to
1: suggest <laughs> that any of these findings are accurate.
3: It's <laughs> interesting is... A it is lot of Dave's opinion. <laughs> a lot of the the ailments, like the physical ailments that he claims to have be able to cure or stuff that he suffered from himself, or that mm. he at least claimed to have suffered from when he was scamming the... The military when he like the ulcers and all that shit which makes sense to present yourself as having cured yourself yeah so now with this doctor on board these three men collaborated together to work out all the details on how to present dianetics to the world the hubbard dianetic research foundation was established in april of 1950 in elizabeth new jersey with hubbard his wife sarah winter and campbell on the board of directors Dianetics was launched as a preview in Astounding Science Fiction's May May 1950 issue. And if you wanted the full course, you have to buy the book for $4, which was titled Dianetics, The Modern Science of Mental Health. And that was officially published on May 9th, 1950.
0: Like you said, there's literally fiction in the uh,
1: publication's title. (laughs) Fiction. Dave, do you have that book uh, on your shelf next to the Bible? Dianetics? Yeah. It's just as true. In the fiction section.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So the basic idea in Dianetics is that the mind consists of two parts, the analytical mind and the reactive mind. The reactive mind, the mind which operates a person, is physically unconscious and acts as a record of shock, trauma, pain, and otherwise harmful memories. Experiences like these stored in the reactive mind are called engrams. Dianetics is a method used to erase these Ingrams in the reactive mind to achieve, to achieve the famous state of mind that Scientology uses, which is clear. So are you following me right? It's yep, like the phrase,
0: it. you know, when you fabricate something out of whole cloth. That's the exact definition of this. It's just
1: nothing. This one gets a little tough to uh, to keep up with.
3: Yeah, get your, uh, everybody listening, get your note, get a a notebook out and and, and take some notes here.
1: Was this the episode where people are going to freaking look like uh, Charlie Day with his little um, ball of what the fuck things mean? (laughs) Yeah, everyone take notes, try to keep up with, with all of this.
3: So in Dianetics, the unconscious or reactive mind is described as a collection of mental image pictures, which contain the recorded experience of past moments of unconsciousness including all sensory perceptions and feelings involved ranging from prenatal experiences, infancy and childhood to even the traumatic feelings associated with events from past lives and extraterrestrial cultures. But that past lives shit and that alien stuff is going to come down the line a little bit. We're not, we're not exactly into the past lives yet. That's
0: the best part of this whole story. That's my favorite.
3: (laughs) We're not there yet. Oh, We're
1: just stringing people along. We got to get them there. It's the money shot yes
3: it is <laughs> the type of mental image picture created during a period of unconsciousness involves the exact recording of a painful experience Hubbard called this this phenomenon would be an engram and defined it as quote a complete recording of a moment of unconsciousness contained physical pain or physical emotion of all perceptions you know what's a real engram to me what's that? having to learn about the fucking scientology <laughs> Well, you might need to head down to Columbus and get this. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: we'll get you cleaned up. We'll get you get clear. audited at the we'll news get your dinner. Mind quote clear.
0: <laughs> do you guys remember prenatal experiences? Is of that common? I do. Yeah. Floating around
3: in the womb. Yeah, I've never. Uh, I've never audited to get myself back there, so mm. I, I do
1: not. I didn't have to. I just had it.
3: Oh, you just remember it. Mm-hmm. You should write a book.
1: Oh, I'm not trying to exploit my thoughts. <laughs>
3: Hubbard said that painful or physical emotional traumas caused aberrations, deviations from rational thinking in the mind, which produced lasting negative physical and emotional effects. When the analytical, which would be your conscious mind, shut down during these moments, events and perceptions of this period were stored as Ingrams in the unconscious or reactive mind. So something, bad, so something bad happens to you, it creates an Ingram, and that's just kind of sitting there making you feel shitty so probably like when Storing mike's,
1: your reactive mind i'm sorry
3: i say like when when mike's frat
0: brothers probably teabagged him when he was unconscious from drinking all day stuff like that flying squirrels
3: please so flying so he got a flying squirrel done to him when he was super drunk and right. can't remember it now he's afraid of squirrels makes I sense do, i don't trust squirrels well, there you go these are fucking nasty
1: also i don't like penises so maybe it all just ties in
3: <laughs> there you go
1: we figured it out <laughs> See you next week. Hate penises. I beat mine all the, every chance I get. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was so stupid. You like to punish your penis, huh?
0: Was <laughs> that your college nickname, the Penis Punisher? It's one of many. The Pussy Whisperer like. and the Penis Punisher.
1: <laughs> Would we have on Patreon the, the Pussy Laycock Whisperer, Laycock, or whatever? Oh, and oh, uh, yeah, I, Mister Laycock. <laughs> the cocky lace. <laughs> <laughs> my headstone's going to be like 13 feet tall with all my nicknames on yeah. <laughs> it. Actually, that was one of my nicknames in college, Mr. 13 feet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hubbard claimed that these Engrams are the cause of almost all psychological and physical problems. In addition to physical pain, engrams include words or phrases spoken in the vicinity while the patient was unconscious. So, not necessarily something happening to you physically would cause this, but if you heard something said, it could implant that engram. On top of um, on top of being extremely homophobic, which we'll get into the tone scale in a bit here, Dianetics did not have a high opinion of women. Since Ingrams could be linked back to birth or while the baby was still in the womb, women were blamed for a lot of Ingrams, if not the, the vast majority of them. Mm. Hubbard called women, quote, unfaithful creatures and said Damn. that. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a. I'm not sure how a woman would read uh, Dianetics and be like, oh, all right. Yeah. I got to get like, in on that. <laughs> I can take this. <laughs> so, yeah, he called them unfaithful creatures and said that most had affairs while they were pregnant. Most. Most. This isn't just some. This is most women. Not a handful. Most. Most. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The baby inside the womb would hear the mother talking shit on her husband while in the act of cheating on him, thus creating the Ingram. (laughs) Billy never
1: fucks me like this. (laughs) (laughs) Now poor baby is hearing about dad Billy. (laughs) Right.
3: Can't be Mr. Laycock. (laughs) Well, because a perfect example would be because a lot of times around this this time sons were born with the same name as their dad so they'd be like junior. so this unborn fetus would hear would you say Billy yeah. doesn't fuck me yeah. <laughs> so, Billy so, doesn't pound <laughs> me like this so when this baby was born and and have the same name as the as the father, it would attach all that negative shit talking the mother was doing while having sex with this other man and talking shit on the husband. those would attach try to follow that one those that (laughs) (laughs) attaches ingrams okay yeah specifically that would cause an inferiority complex is where you would that's where you would get that baby right yeah yeah because as a fetus you
0: heard your mom telling uh her lover that you couldn't fuck her as good as the lover so i mean that's surely gonna fuck anyone up right (laughs) obviously the thing uh, when you recall all
1: of that you know as a teenager
3: when you're audited yeah Dianetics also says that all quote feeble minded people are the result of Ingrams caused by women trying to abort their babies. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Because on top of women being unfaithful creatures, almost all women at one point try to abort their babies, according to Hubbard. All women, not not uh, most, all most of all, (laughs) most of all. Another most. We're we're saying the (laughs) the majority of women try to abort their babies.
1: But I'm wondering how they would do that,
3: Ian. I've got that fact right here. Um, They would stab knitting needles into their stomachs or up into their vaginas.
1: Almost all women.
3: Almost all. Who get pregnant stick knitting needles. Into their stomach.
1: Into their stomach.
3: Or. Or their vagina. So when that happens, when they do that, then you are. Creates an Ingram. You are creating a, quote, feeble-minded person. One could argue that only feeble-minded people would be susceptible (laughs) to Scientology. I
1: you know <laughs> which then would make sense that all of them all of their moms attempted to stick needles up in
3: them i think we solved it yeah mm-hmm. circle of life yeah i mean and you can uh, you can go on amazon and uh, and purchase this book you can also go on amazon and purchase our t-shirts
1: and hoodies and tank tops <laughs> and long sleeve shirts available right now amazon.com and search Necronomapod. much better way to spend your hard-earned money
3: yeah Well, furthermore, a pregnant woman would cause ingrams onto an unborn child by being constipated. (laughs) This is a uh, this is a direct quote from Dianetics about what a pregnant woman might say while constipated to cause an Ingram. You you can you can read this quote because this this just makes me feel uncomfortable. This this whole quote in general.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is hell. I'm all jammed up inside. I feel so stuffy. I can't think. This is too terrible to be born god damn i gotta shit this baby <laughs> out of me <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: if only it said
3: that this ingram would cause chronic colds for the child due to the uh the i'm so stuffy part <laughs> it could also <laughs> it could also d- cause a depression ingram from the uh, this is too terrible to be born part so you, you following this, this so far how this the, is how this process works off the rail batshit crazy already
1: <laughs> Yeah.
3: So to get rid of these Ingrams, Dianetics came up with a therapy called auditing. So one person is the auditor and guides this person, which is called the pre-clear. The pre-clear's job is to look into their mind and while they talk to the auditor. And the auditor acknowledges what the pre-clear says and controls the process so the pre-clear can focus completely on going back through their memories. And like we said, we're, we're go, you're going to go back all the way to... In the womb. Um, yeah, in the womb. So the auditor and pre and preclear sit down in chairs facing each other, and then the process goes in these following, and these are specific steps from uh, Scientology. The auditor assures the preclear that he will be fully aware of everything that happens during the session. Two, the preclear is instructed to close his eyes for the session, entering a state of dianetic reverie, signified by a, quote, tremble of the lashes <laughs> <laughs> literally a tremble of the lashes <laughs> during the session the preclear remains in full possession of his will and retains full recall thereafter three the auditor installs a quote canceller, an instruction intended to absolutely cancel any form of positive suggestion that could accidentally occur This is done by saying, quote, in the future, when I utter the word canceled, everything I have said to you while you were in therapy session will be canceled and will have no force with you. Any suggestion I have made to you will be without force. And when I say the word canceled, do you understand?
0: So this is in case you accidentally say something good to them and it kind of gets in the way of them recalling these bad Engrams. (laughs) Cancelled.
1: Next
3: question. Well, what we were talking about in part one, this is it's like a really hypnotic kind of thing. You mm-hmm. can see where like the hypnosis stuff that he... Uh, oh, it's 100%, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard to follow what they're getting at sometimes. Number four, the auditor then asked the preclear to locate an exact record of something that happened to the preclear in his past. Like, quote, locate an incident that you feel you can comfortably face. So... Okay. Something so not too traumatic? Just something that maybe pissed you off or yeah. wasn't great. Not but- your mom fucking the mailman. <laughs> Nothing too traumatic yet. Right.
1: Your pregnant mom. Right. Yeah, pregnant with up. you. <laughs> You're just still floating around trying to grow and, you know, become a, a baby. Right. Mailman's
3: cocks hitting you in the womb.
1: Yeah. God, get the fuck out of my eye, dude. <laughs> just drop off that Playboy and get the fuck out of here.
3: Uh five, the pre-clear is Invited by the auditor to to quote go through the incident and say what is happening as you go along, so you're going through this process and you're just like describing everything mm-hmm. in detail. Six a, the auditor instructs the pre clear to recall as much possible of the incident, going over it several times, quote until the pre clear is cheerful about it.
0: No, mm. yeah, well, and then he stabbed cheerful me. Cheerful about it. Then he stabbed yeah. me. Gotta- well, then he stabbed me. Well, you know, then he stabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> they stabbed me it's all right
3: uh 6b when the pre-clear is cheerful about an incident the auditor instructs the pre-clear to locate another incident quote let's find another incident that you feel you can comfortably face the process outlined at steps five and six a then repeats until the auditing session's time limit usually two hours or so is reached and that probably costs you about two to three hundred dollars i was just saying people pay for this shit Oh yeah.
1: Do you know how many shirts, Necronomipod shirts 2 or 300 dollars could get you? <laughs> like two. A whole new wardrobe. Like two because we're <laughs> fucking bougie as shit. <laughs>
3: Number 7, then the the preclear is then instructed to return to present time. 8, the auditor checks to make sure the preclear feels himself to be in present time, not still recalling a past incident. 9, the auditor gives the preclear the canceler word, like Quote, very good, canceled. Ten, the auditor tells the pre-clear to feel alert and return to full awareness of his surroundings. Quote, when I count from five to one and snap my fingers, you will feel alert. So very hypnotic.
0: It's just, yeah, regular hypnosis.
3: It's a very hypnotic experience.
0: So when you get out of here, you're supposed to feel better, and then you're hooked, and you want to sign up and do more and do this again?
3: Right, exactly. We'll see later on when we're going through some of this stuff, and then, like, in part three, during the Sea Org times, people start just purposely making up things to keep this, to not even to keep the game going. Some people just to get out of the situation because like, I don't want to fucking sit here anymore. Like so. you're not talking about the auditors. You're talking about the pre-clears. Pre-clears. Wouldn't make stuff up. Right. Because you have to
1: say something. Right. Well, and because hypnosis doesn't work and so they're not in a <laughs> trance. So they don't know what to do. They're like, well, fuck, I paid all this money. Hypnosis
3: does work. For the sake of this story, (laughs) it's the most rational argument that there is. But this is basically hypnosis masqueraded as a mental treatment, as mental therapy. And it's convincing people that they're looking back into memories that go all the way back to. uh, Is there any like fake regression memory planting stuff going on here?
1: Nothing that I could. I mean, I'm sure. Like, what do you mean? Like people plowing moms so the baby remembers it later and be like, "Oh, I did that on purpose so that we can regret." You know, go back and remember this. Is that what you mean? I'll sign up for that job. No, like I'll be an auditor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like the whole like we talked about a couple weeks ago with the satanic panic Mm -hmm. stuff where you're, you know, they're just asking leading questions and then planting memories into your into your subconscious that didn't really happen.
1: Yeah, I mean. Where kids remember being
0: molested by, you know, a satanic cult that just, you know, it just wasn't real.
1: Would it surprise you that these pre-clears could be manipulated that way?
3: Uh, no, no, it would not. <laughs> <laughs> so by August 1950, Hubbard's book had sold 55,000 copies and was selling at a rate of 4,000 copies a week. Um, and was being translated to French, German, and Japanese 500 Dianetic auditing groups have been set up across the United States and tons of people were going to Elizabeth, New Jersey to the main headquarters to officially learn from Hubbard and be considered a sponsored Hubbard auditor. These courses cost around $500 in 1950s money, which is like $5,000 today. So it's not an actual organization at this point? Is it more just like a pyramid scheme and all the money flows upward? That's what kind, I kind of it sounds like. Kind of it's like um at this point it's like you could buy the book and you you could do auditing with other like there would be nothing stopping us from like if we wanted to audit each other. At this we can point. we
0: can buy the course for 500 and then we can go back to, you know,
3: Topeka, Kansas and start scamming people. Exactly. We haven't gotten to the point where this is completely structured. Yeah, okay. And it's a lo- and it's uh and we'll get there where it's very looked down upon if you try to take this stuff outside of Scientology and teach it.
1: So that's a little different than other cults that we've talked about, right? We're
3: we're not really at a cult yet.
1: But in the sense of even like in their early formations, I feel like the leaders had a a, a grasp and a control on everything. Like nothing was getting out as this one could kind of ease. Like you said, it was frowned upon, but it could still very easily. People could get the book or whatever, do the audit and then just go about their way.
3: Was, right that right wasn't now, necessarily is, happening in other cults. This is type. more of a money scheme right now. So now they're
1: just looking for money.
3: They're this not is looking a, for, he's not looking for power. No. He's looking for money. Yeah.
1: Well, he had
0: written all these hundreds of books, and this one seemed to take off, so he's just trying to cash in on it, is yeah. what I get out of this. Yeah. Like, oh, and then we can get these other people to come and pay for courses, and we'll scan. It's just
3: an additional layer of scamming. Dude, just trying, trying to think sell of somebody, some books, I don't know. Like, sell
1: some books and make some money.
3: Yeah. Like, I don't know, some pseudo doctor that comes up with some bullshit dr phil dr oz maybe
1: Ooh, you went dr oz yeah. dr phil's
3: not too bad i
1: don't know their stories i was just yeah. making them up doctor they just might be good pseudoscience
0: choice. nonsense yeah but is that what
1: just, dr oz is
0: uh he's an actual doctor yeah but dr I, phil's not a doctor no. oh I, no not an md is dr drew
1: a doctor i think he is
0: I
3: don't know. I dr oz MD. is
0: an md like he taught at columbia and stuff yeah i kind of no. think
3: but I'm, I'm pretty sure if i remember correctly all his colleagues are like yeah fuck that dude he's like, dude, it's got some, some wacky me, ideas he's doing too. some weird shit now okay i just remember my grandmother always used to tell me what dr oz was up to and like what he was saying was supposed to be good mm. and i'm like nah that doesn't sound right to me that's i'm, I'm gonna do the opposite <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of weird <laughs> we not do that <laughs> dianetics started to lose credibility in august 1950 so it didn't take long for four months yeah for people it's for some people to start getting kind of sour to this whole idea this happened because there was a presentation by hubbard before an audience of six thousand people at the shrine auditorium in los angeles and it failed terribly he was billing this as he was going to introduce the first true clear person so the first person that has truly hit that has become clear and her name was Sonia Bianca and he told the audience that this was the result of her undergoing the dianetic therapy and now she possessed perfect memory and was cured of all of her ailments which her ailments it was um, an allergy to pain was what she was cleared of so whatever that means
1: (laughs) an allergy to pain an
3: allergy to pain and she had perfect memory because that was what you were supposed to be able to get from Dianetics. Everybody should have been able to get once you go clear is perfect
0: memory. Perfect memory, meaning you can recall every second of your entire life. You know, yes. Perfect
1: memory. <laughs> well, that's interesting. To, okay. to
3: the, to back to the womb. I'd like to have that.
1: I don't think I'd want that.
3: Just some, some I don't stuff know. you just, just want to forget.
1: Yeah, I just don't know if that's all good. Yeah. Well, I think. Oh, I think part of life is being able to put stuff behind you yeah, and forget about it and move on. Like all those teabag squirrel balls yeah. and all that stuff. I could taste the like the nut hair on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I haven't myself gag. So the the crowd was pretty underwhelmed by this woman because they were expecting. They, well, they were expecting to see like the next level of human evolution, right. kind of. And then this woman just With a big rolls halo out. overhead yeah. floating <laughs> out on it's stage. Just some
1: girl standing there, like, the fuck is this? Yeah,
3: yeah. All they got was was just this woman that said that you know her sinuses were clear. She wasn't afraid of pain anymore. It was just kind of like, all right, he may not have thought this one through. Yeah. yeah. So, trying to get the crowd back, Hubbard made a, a brutal mistake of opening up questions from the crowd. And, and since Sony was supposedly, she was supposed to have perfect memory. Now that she was cleared, the crowd started yelling out questions at her. And the questions are so funny. The one was, quote, what did you have for breakfast on October 3rd, 1942? (laughs) Genius. (laughs) I love it. But the thing with some of these, like that one, you could just say something like, I had eggs and bacon. (laughs) Yeah, like she could roll with that. (laughs) Yeah. The next one was, quote, What's on page 122 of Dianetics? <laughs> Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, But then when Hubbard turned his back to her, someone just being a straight asshole in the crowd yelled, quick, what's the color of Hubbard's tie? It's great.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't call that person an asshole. It's a but hero. That's a hero. So what's she, the color of Hubbard's tie?
3: <laughs> she damn, completely pal. froze. She just, the, this whole thing, just you know, she had nothing for it.
0: She should have started speaking in tongues because that's what other fake religions do. It works for them. Oh,
3: damn. But the only thing Hubbard could come up with to explain as to why she had just frozen was he said that when he called her up on stage, she got frozen in present time and it had blocked all of her re- total recall. <laughs> oh, that makes oh, sense. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Okay. I believe him. Hmm. Never mind. I take all that back.
3: <laughs> well, it, it's 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 weird with that because. Back in the fifties, that's just like a bad night, you know, and he can be like, Okay, well, I'm, I'm never gonna do that shit again. It's not on YouTube the next day. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. It's if not this
1: trending was, on Twitter and yeah. blown up on the gram.
3: If this was today, it would have been that there would be no Scientology, it would yeah. you know, it'd have been laughing stock. Soon after this whole this whole debacle, Dr. Winter became disillusioned and in nineteen fifty one he had wrote that he had never seen um, a single convincing clear saying, quote I've seen some individuals who are supposed to have been clear, but their behavior does not conform to the definition of the state. Moreover, an individual supposed to have been clear has undergone a relapse into conduct, which suggests an incipient psychosis. <laughs> he didn't figure this out up front. It <laughs> took him all this time.
1: He got there though. He got there.
3: Hubbard also faced other practitioners moving into leadership positions within the Dianetics community like we were saying, it was this, it was structured as this open kind of public thing where you could open source code that people exactly you know,
0: could make it better. So, were there any splinter versions that actually survived and turned into other religions or, or movements or? That's a good Not question. Not that I yeah. really know of.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. By late 1950, the Elizabeth, New Jersey, Foundation was in just complete financial crisis. And the Los Angeles Foundation was more than 200000 in debt, which is over a million dollars in today's. Who gave this jackass a million dollars? Well, he was making a fuck ton of money from the book, but he was just really, really bad with money, mm. like terrible with money. Winter and the publisher of Hubbard's book resigned. Campbell, the editor from Astounding Science Fiction, also resigned, criticizing Hubbard for being impossible to work with and blamed him for the disorganization and financial ruin of the Foundation's. So, And then by the end of summer 1951, the Elizabeth New Jersey Foundation and all of its branches had closed. So, well, didn't as soon last as this, long? Yeah, as soon as this fucking thing came out, he just ran it straight into the ground. And he had a good scam going. He probably could have just rode that for,
0: you know, probably lived the rest of his life
3: off of that. Yeah, he was like historically bad with money. We didn't talk about it in part one, but when he sold his first book, Buckskin Brigades, they owed a lot of money to places. Like grocery stores and stuff were kind of giving him like fronting him some money to to buy food and stuff. So when he sold buckskin brigades, it was like his wife Polly at the time was like, "Oh yeah, I mean, we can pay our bills back and shit." And then he just rolls in with a fucking boat. He just spent all that money and bought a <laughs> boat. So he has never been good with money. He's really he looks like that kind of guy too. Just a just complete. Idiot. by looking at him, dick. At the same time that Dianetics was collapsing, his marriage to uh, Sarah Northrup was also collapsing. He had begun an affair with a 20-year-old public relations assistant named Barbara in late 1950. While Sarah started a relationship with a Dianetics officer named Miles Hollister, Miles and Barbara were previously boyfriend and girlfriend, so they just kind of mm. sw- swapped it sw- up. Yeah. Um, well, Hubbard
0: was so handsome. I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> In such a money bags and yeah. you know good with the money. <laughs> His teeth, know. these guys were awesome. So I, I understand that. And he's so smart, Dave.
3: <laughs> he's so enlightened, or as the kids say, woke, woke, woke. <laughs> well, he's a nuclear physicist too. Yeah, so of course, and a botanist and a war hero and it's the perfect man. Mm-hmm. And he had met the Pussy whispers So yeah. well, <laughs> he had it all going for him. H- Hubbard knew full well what was going on and like would intentionally try and make this extremely fucking uncomfortable and would like try to go on double dates together and stuff. (laughs) Like he was a real asshole regarding this whole situation. You know, I mean, we said it earlier, he doesn't have a very high opinion of women. So even though he was having this affair, Sarah wasn't allowed to do her own thing, of course. So he secretly told the FBI in March, 1951 that Sarah and miles were communist infiltrators. (laughs) Which I guess from what I was reading, that was a pretty easy way to fuck with somebody that you didn't like back in the 50s. In 1951, sure. Yeah. Just rat him out as a communist. And, uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. According to Hubbard, Sarah was, quote, currently intimate with a co- with communist, but evidently under coercion. Drug addiction set in in fall 1950. Nothing of this was known to me until a few weeks ago.
1: What a guy. Yeah.
3: So, of course, the FBI jumped all over this because... The well they had common. hard-ons
1: for communists at the time yeah
3: yeah the fbi met with hubbard about his allegations but the the agent interviewing him went back to the fbi and was like yeah there's there's nothing here but we should we should open up a fucking file on this guy because this guy is a <laughs> nut it's yeah. basically where it came what it came that down FBI to that fbi
1: agent is the most sane person we have discussed in the last two weeks <laughs> exactly the right. last two yeah. weeks that guy's a hero
3: and 100 percent accurate yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's something that we'll see, uh, too, in part three, that when, when Hubbard tries this this shit where he uh where he tries to fuck with people, he ends up bringing heat back on himself a lot of times. He's not always so clever. No, he's not.
1: Now, compared to all the other like cult leaders we've discussed... He's just, he doesn't he's, seem all that bright. No, yeah. And he's the most successful. Or partially, I guess. It's, I guess it's all um, on how you look at it. Yeah. I meant more Scientology, but I don't yeah. know, you know the role he necessarily
3: three weeks later Hubbard and two foundation staff members kidnapped Sarah and his two-year-old daughter Alexis and forcibly took them to San Bernardino, California, where he drove around all night with Sarah in the car to different hospitals trying to get a doctor to declare her insane. And God damn. yeah, it just sounded like they would come in and the doctors are like, no, like what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Like the fuck out of here. Yeah. Thank you for wasting my time. Yeah. <laughs> he let sarah go but took alexis to havana cuba and man he he was really fucked up and this is why i'm talking about with like celebrities and people that um i mean celebrities aren't necessarily our brightest minds but they're people that a lot of people look up to and stuff you know, at, at one point during this time he he called Sarah and told her that he killed their daughter mm. and had like dismembered her and she and like then just let that sit for a couple days while he was in Cuba and then called her back and was like, you know, and he he refused to divorce to agree for the divorce and had told Sarah basically you should kill yourself before publicly divorcing mm. me. Like it would be better if you killed yourself. Like just really He is not a good person. Not at all. Sarah filed for a divorce suit on April 23rd, 1951 that accused him of marrying her bigamously and subjecting her to sleep deprivation, beatings, strangulation, kidnapping, and extortions to commit suicide. The bigamously part is because he was still married to (coughs) Polly, um, which is accurate.
0: From the Magic Castle. (laughs) What's his name's girlfriend, right?
3: Yeah, or or no, that's that's who he's divorced, or that's who's divorcing him right now oh that's right uh, that po- was the Polly gruber poly Dave, Grub- how are you not following Grub.
1: this whole story <laughs> Man, this
3: is a tough this one is, <laughs> a lot of players here <laughs> yeah yeah with the extortions to commit suicide that's what i was just talking about how he said you know you should kill yourself mm-hmm. before according to her her journals while she was pregnant with their daughter alexis there was a lot of times that he tried to get her to have an abortion and would kick her in her stomach and then at one point in one of her journals that he hit her so hard that he broke her eardrum so yeah he's just not a uh
1: but women are awful
3: yeah right dianetics yeah is that where we get all this from her journals about the beatings and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah yeah she has pretty length there's lengthy uh journal entries from her out there so she went and got a lawyer that knew exactly what he was doing and liked a lot of publicity and stuff so he started running because i mean Alvin Hubbard was, you know, the author of Dianetics and shit. So he started rolling with these uh, these headlines like, quote, Hubbard is insane, says wife, like just plastering his name <laughs> Smart, out there. Yeah. So he finally agreed to, uh, to give their daughter back. She got their daughter Alexis back in June of 1951. He agreed to go forward with the divorce only if she signed a written statement declaring him quote the things I've said about Elron Ron Hubbard in courts and public prints have been grossly exaggerated or entirely false I have not at any time believed otherwise L. Ron Hubbard is a fine and brilliant man that's great Which, fine
1: and brilliant man
3: it's like another episode we talked about before I know Jim Jones was guilty of that getting people to sign blank pieces of paper yeah it's like, like that dude that he wanted mm-hmm, that he
1: had signed that paper about uh, wanting his wife to get pregnant by Jim Jones
3: yeah But then he would have people sign blank ones that they could just fill in with ever. And it's like, no court is going to acknowledge this. This is nonsense. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, it's really childish. But um, her doing this is what got him to give their daughter back and and go through with the divorce. Yeah, you got to do what you
0: got to do at some point.
3: So Dianetics appeared to be on like, it was still had a little bit of life to it at this point. But it was really, it was like any day, it it would just be completely done. But then this guy, Don Purcell, rolls in. He's a millionaire businessman and a true believer in Dianetics who just agreed to fully support a new foundation in Wichita, Kansas.
0: Brought him back from the dead. Yep. It's another one of those points in history where if this guy wasn't around, it would have just f- yeah, faded like every other dumb fad, you know?
3: Yeah. Purcell was, uh, was expected to pay for everything, which he completely did. I mean, he decked this place out super nice. And Hubbard published his second book under the under Dianetics titled The Science of Survival. The Science of Survival kept up with the trend of, of everything with Scientology, where it's just super fucking confusing and unreadable, worse than the book before. <laughs> That's then, hard. Yeah. This book focused on the tone scale, which is a big part in the beliefs carried o- that carried over to Scientology. The tone scale is a ranking scale of your physical and emotional state, going from 40 to negative 40. It's basically like your attitude is based on your survival rate. Is the way that I understand this?
1: Hmm. Your attitude is based on your survival rate. Right. As in, like, if I have a positive attitude, I'm more likely to survive. Yes. Okay.
3: So I'm going to read through this tone scale. And if you either of you feel like interjecting at any time, feel free. All right. So I'm going to start in the negatives for this negative 40 total failure. <laughs> this is that de- this is death. You are dead at this point. Oh, literally. So, dead. You are literally dead at negative 40, negative 30. Can't hide negative 20 being nothing negative 10 being objects negative eight hiding negative six sacrifice negative five, worshiping bodies, negative four, needing bodies, negative 3.5, approval from bodies, negative three, owning bodies, negative 2.2, protecting bodies, negative 1.5, controlling bodies, negative 1.3, regret, negative one, blame, negative 0.7, accountable, negative 0.2, shame, negative 0.1, pity, -0.01 failure and 0 body death. So all those things what? you read are worse than being dead? Uh no, dead is -40. Well, what's body death at 0 then? I I'm not not completely sure on that. <laughs> I don't I don't know what body death is exactly.
1: <laughs> and so the rest of those are just like your attitude.
3: Yeah, so here's what I think happened when he's writing this list, I think he started at 0 with body death and that was supposed to be you're dead but then he's like i need to add some negatives to this shit to make this sound a lot worse so then we just kept going down he the kept going down yeah. that list of and then total failure is you are dead at that point but
1: not body dead that's something different
3: i'm not clear on what body death is exactly i'm not clear on what any of this is exactly <laughs> Every, we're
1: all gonna leave this episode with some more questions than answers <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. I have no idea what any of this means. No. It's very, very hard to
3: follow. You don't know what being a negative eight is at hiding? <laughs> or why in the world a uh, negative 0.01 is failure? Like, the numbers are just fucking nonsense in themselves.
1: And again, what is that? It's supposed to be attitude, right? This is the a- what is this that? Is your, so your attitude. attitude is failure?
3: Your attitude is completely consistent with your survival rate. So if what it, does that if yeah, I don't like
0: your tone, Mike?
1: Well, <laughs> I'm Dave, I'm 0. <laughs> 0.2. I'm shame.
3: So if you're let's let's say that you are at a negative 30 and you are at can't hide. You're pretty fucking close to being dead at that point. You only got negative 10 to go and then you're you're dead. You don't because lose. Because
1: don't use up those last 10 because your bad attitude is going to kill you eventually as you go down the scale. Well, you're a survival, right? Yes, folks, we are not making this up. This no, is, this is the this tone scale is
3: it? is on um scientology.org. I mean, you can read the tone scale. It's like one of
0: their big tenets of the whole
3: religion. Yeah. Well, let's get into the
1: positive ones.
3: All right, so Ish. positive can only go up from body death. Yep. At 0 at point zero one you are dying. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I th- I really think that he Body death was supposed to be really death, but then he was like, I gotta throw some negatives in this shit. So, 0.01 is dying. 0.03, useless. That's me. 0.05, apathy. 0.07, hopeless. 0.1, victim. 0.2, self-abasement. 0.3, undeserving. 0.375, making amends. <laughs> Why not 0.4? Yeah. <laughs> grief 0.8 propitiation 0.9 sympathy 0.94 numb 0.96 terror 0.98 despair 1 fear 1.02 anxiety 1.1 covert hostility i'm gonna stop at that one because that's that's a pretty common one for them they like to assign that tone to a lot of people yes that's the most common to call people uh other than a suppressive person which we'll get into that later but going one they call it going one one so if you were one one means you're basically someone it seems like it's a catch-all for just just anybody like if anything's wrong with you yeah and they specifically say that it's like someone that'll like smile in your face and stab you in the back kind of thing but interestingly, they also put homosexuals at 1.1, and that's where you get the uh, the gay cure of of uh, Scientology. Fuck's sake! Because if you theoretically, if you go past 1.1, then you are no longer gay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
1: Because your attitude is so positive that you couldn't possibly be gay. If you're if you're uh what is it 1.2? Well, you're already you're too positive. You couldn't possibly be gay. <laughs>
3: I, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I know. What
1: The fuck are they saying? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, that's the other. That's the other thing that um. It's just very gets like uh, lost in the in the in the mix of all their stuff is how uh, homophobic they are. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very homophobic, which and, is kind of weird and being anti- a big women. thing in Hollywood. Yeah, kind of conflicts with yeah know, what you would view as a traditional liberal Hollywood views. It, it's really shitty. Anything that claims any type of uh, gay therapy to, to get rid of that is, yeah. uh, is ridiculous. Of course. of course that's terrible. Then we go to one point one five unexpressed resentment. So now you should tackle technically not be gay anymore if you hit that point. One point <laughs> Okay, <laughs> 1. okay. One point two, no sympathy, one point three resentment, one point four hate, one point five anger. So
1: I'm angry. 22 hours a day on average with anything i get pissed mm-hmm. off <laughs> does that mean i'm I'm living life at a 1.5 sure so my survival rate's not bad it's better than being negative, i mean whether I it's traffic or the news or you know whatever the fuck it is it's at the higher end of the scale i get angry so quickly and more mm-hmm. often than not i'm annoyed and angry by something well is annoy is annoy on there uh
3: no but okay, we, well, could, we can go up uh, we'll make- 1.8 pain, <laughs> 1.9 hostility. You kind of sound a little hostile. I there, am hostile. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> As you were. 2.0 antagonism, 2.4 monotony, 2.5 boredom, 2.6 disinterested, 2.8 contended, 2.9 mild interest, 3.0 conservatism, 3.3 3, strong interest- 3.5, cheerfulness. Turning the corner here. Yeah, we're getting up there. There we go. Uh, 4.0, enthusiasm. Yeah. 6.0, aesthetic. 8.0, we just skipped five and <laughs> seven there. 8.0. Quit being logical. Exhilaration. That was like Tom Cruise jumping up and down on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> it was 8.0. Oh, 0. he knew what he was doing. <laughs> uh, 20, action. 22, games. 30. Wait, what the fuck does don't, that mean? Don't question it. <laughs> 20. 22 games, 30 postulates, and 40 serenity of beingness. What's your attitude, Uh, games? (laughs) I'm a
1: 22, bruh. (laughs) So are you keeping up with us at home? Did you make your flashcards? Got all that memorized? Just jumped out the fucking windows.
0: (laughs) so stupid.
3: In this book, in the second book of Dianetics, Hubbard specifically says that if you are under a two on the scale that you do not deserve civil rights and you should be destroyed. (laughs) So that that so then you're all dead of body <laughs> or whatever the fuck that is. So that 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 statement just kind of slid into that second. Like, literally, bar. like literally, you should be destroyed, and you do not deserve he... basic civil rights. Hmm. Well, I'm at a thirty-nine point nine nine nine. So I'm hold on, good. let me get I'm my good. sheet out,
1: Dave. <laughs> you're almost there, man. I'm almost there. You're almost there. I think I'm
3: better than Jesus when I get up to forty. Yeah, well, because once you uh, you get to 40, it supposedly means that you can make people do things against their will. And in Scientology terms, it's called tone 40. Mm. So technically auditors should be able to tone 40 someone.
1: They can tone 40, 40 their ass. Yes. That's what they used to say. Yeah. Tone, tone 40 is ass.
3: Mm-hmm. And um
1: he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> please stop talking.
3: <laughs> All this stuff is made to be completely can is made to be c- confusing as hell on purpose. You don't say. And, well, and by doing this, it's setting up that Hubbard is the only one that has the answers, and his organization is the only mm-hmm. one that has the answers. So if if this is helping you, then you need to go to him, Dicks. Because if you bought the second book on your own, you would be like, what? what is this? You mm-hmm. know, but you go, go to a Dian- the Dianetics center or a foundation and they,
1: and you pay them and then they help you. Yeah.
3: You know, Once the hooks are they'll in, they'll help you out. So as people believing in Dianetics started to travel to Kansas to pay for sessions, one person in particular showed up a 19 year old girl from Texas named Mary Sue whip. Mary Sue was a devout believer in Hubbard. Like it, it I mean, she believed in Dianetics, but it, she believed in, in L Ron Hubbard specifically, Um, And soon after meeting, the two would be married with her staying with him until the end of his life, despite Hubbard letting her to go to prison for him. But we'll we'll get into that in part three. Seems so out of character for this guy. (laughs) Purcell basically had issues with Hubbard as soon as the new foundation started. This is the guy that funded this whole thing. Right, and the guys—that's right. We haven't talked about him in a while. Yeah, he's been paying for all this shit, and the editor from Astounding Science Fiction, and that Doctor Winter. They—I mean—they had problems with him, and it's basically said that he was just a complete maniac and like impossible to mm-hmm. work with. And that's what Purcell was doing with almost right off the bat. But Hubbard also started this new con that that Purcell didn't agree with, which was past lives. In the beginning of Dynex, like we talked about, you should be able to follow your memories back to birth or even to the mother's womb to track down these Engrams and clear them. But to keep this scam going, Hubbard introduced past lives. So now the person can go into memories of past lives, which brings in a whole new set of Engrams to clear. An infinite availability of Engrams. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So whatever you were doing in your past life, there's a lot of Engrams there to, to get rid of. Just write a simple check for $500, and we'll start sessions on those Ingrams right away. <laughs> on top of not being on board with the whole past lives things, Purcell was getting fed up with Hubbard because Hubbard was purposely starting to fuck with him. Hubbard would start like doing these faith healing things in lectures. Heal! <laughs> 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 and tell people to put their glasses in a bowl before they came into the, into the lecture because they wouldn't need them anymore when they came out this Purcell guy was like completely blind without his glasses. And the only reason that Hubbard was saying, put the, put your glasses in was so he could get the glasses off of Purcell and just watch him like fucking like bump into oh shit, trying to God. leave. And Hubbard would just be in the back laughing at him. Like he's an idiot. The class oh. a troll. This yeah. guy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Meanwhile, the Purcell's literally paying for everything he has, Yeah, but no, let's fuck with him.
3: Yeah. So Purcell is not thrilled.
1: Also, that's just mean and hurtful. Why would you do that to someone? An, old guy, an old guy that's
0: that's a true believer. That's yeah. how you do. It. What's how you play the guy? Mm-hmm.
3: Hubbard did not learn from his um, from his money issues and, and continued to fuck up. But his past ones led to a court ruling that this new Kansas location was responsible for all that debt that he racked up back at the old New Jersey location. And Purcell being this millionaire businessman, I mean, he figured the smartest thing to do is just file bankruptcy and just you know, clear out the debts and, and nope. start over. But Hubbard saw that as a failure and refused. Hubbard lost this battle and the bankruptcy was filed. So he resigned and opened up the Hubbard college on the other side of Wichita. And this is where Hubbard came up with one of the main aspects of Scientology, which is the E meter. Easy to open a college.
2: <laughs> what the
3: fuck? Uh, I guess we could just buy a building and call it a college. I guess doesn't have to be
1: accredited necessarily necronama U. yeah shaping formidable young minds i'd be up for that
3: you know covering these cults especially this one i mean just say whatever the fuck you want somebody will pay for it there's a population out there that will believe it
1: literally if we put any actual effort into making them better people we would be 10 times better than all of these cults we've ever covered right all right necronama U coming fall 2021
3: the e-meter is what, one of the most famous things. I think anybody that know, knows much about Scientology you know, knows what the e-meter is. It's the, the device. It's, it's got this gauge on it and these dials that they fuck with, and you hold the two can. It's got two cans. They look like cans that you hold. Wires go into it. I took this directly from their website. So this is what they talk about this as. That it is a religious artifact used as a spiritual guide in auditing. When the E-meter is operated and a person holds the meter's electrodes, a very tiny flow of electrical energy passes down the wires of the E-meter leads through the person's body and back into the E-meter. When the person thinks a thought, looks at a picture in their mind, re-experiences an incident or shifts some part of the reactive mind, they are moving and changing actual mental mass and energy. These changes in the mind influence the tiny flow of electrical energy generated by the E-meter causing the needle dial to move. The needle reactions on the e-meter tell the auditor where the charge lies and that it should be addressed through auditing.
0: That's just literally made up nothing. It's a religious artifact, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) You know what would be entertaining, though, if we went down and broke into one of their auditing headquarters and, like, hooked up 240-volt batteries, somehow wired it, (laughs) so when they grabbed it, they went flying across the room. (laughs) Well, that would
3: be entertaining. It
1: is our opinion that if that happened, it would be funny.
3: <laughs> no one do that, or <laughs> oh, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. Is that is Dave's Just opinion. That is not the opinion
1: of Cool Down Media LLC. <laughs> In
3: reality, what the uh, the E meter is, it, it, it's a lie detector test without the heart rate and blood pressure being taken. So it's one third of a of a lie detector test is what it is.
1: <laughs> and lie detector tests, as we've documented many times are worthless and right not relevant
3: and it's got this made-up meter on the front with this little thing that goes back and forth and it's supposed <laughs> to tell them when this negative thought has been cleared or when we've gotten rid of that uh that Ingram
0: how do so many seemingly bright people fall for this kind of stuff it's, it's really, really wild That's a good
1: question man
3: almost every time we do a cult one I watch these uh, I find like a lecture or something. watch this guy named Rick Allen Ross. Mm-hmm. He's like kind of the go-to cult guy nowadays. He's, uh, he's a PhD. He's wrote tons and tons of books on cults. But is he the guy in the we Going
1: Clear? Uh, in
3: the one that, that I s- followed him? The half
1: hour one I mm-hmm. sent you? Yeah. yeah.
3: okay. That they made a whole website about right. how.
1: Can we just get him on the show?
3: I would love to talk to him. Yeah, he's he's uh, he is the cult guy. But like what he said with cults, it's, it's interesting that, what he has found is that everybody that's like people that say like, I would never join a cult that would never ever happen to me are always the people it happens to. And it's not these, like people don't go out of their way, like looking for, for a group to join. It's, it's always when they're at a low point in their life, like nobody that joins a cult, is having a great time in their life at that point, and they're usually what he said that he's found is that they're usually brought in by someone that they trust, either a friend or a coworker or someone that's already in the group, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, you know, your, your family member died or something's going on in your life," and they're like, "Hey, this group can really help you out." And then they try it, and next thing you know, you're you're roped in. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, so I, they, we don't need the interview for that guy because. You explained it perfectly.
3: <laughs> we'll this. just interview you. Yeah. Dave and I will interview you one day about cults. He, yeah, he's a really interesting guy. And yeah, Scientology fucking hates him. man. they have a whole website. It's, I think it's whoisrickross.com. Like a 200-page PDF on this guy, I mm-hmm. believe is what he's Trying to dig up shit from his past. Like mm-hmm. dumb shit all the way. I think he said like all the way back until he was eight years old, they were digging up yeah. stuff on him. Right. Yeah. He had
1: detention in fourth grade. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, he's a piece of shit.
3: And, and I think with Scientology specifically, that you're not going through a good time in life when you join the stuff. You're looking for answers or something's going on in your life. But then, when you're at this point in Scientology, you're probably, I would say, about thirty thousand dollars in at this point, possibly fifty grand wow. in. So I think some people can keep rationalizing it and they're like fuck i just put so much money there's got to be something like i can't just bail on this shit already yeah, these hear, other people really-
0: wouldn't be paying this much money if there wasn't
1: something to it just rationalizing that, yeah. it away right yeah. or you just rationalize it i put paid this much i'm just going with it this is it now
3: yeah i think that's one of the big things why people uh why a lot of people continue with scientology is is the cost And it's it's mm. it's insane so just across, just circle back to the e meter. Uh, it is not a religious artifact. It's just one third of a, a lie detector test. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they didn't find it
3: like buried under the ancient pyramids or something. Uh, they did not because I was actually reading. It wasn't even invented by L. Ron Hubbard. It was actually invented by Russians back in the day as uh, as like a kind of a precursor to a lie detector test. It's not even something unique to Hubbard or Scientology. Mm. So only six weeks after setting up the Hubbard College, Hubbard closed it down and moved with his new bride to Phoenix, Arizona. He established the Hubbard Association of Scientologists International to promote his new science of certainty, Scientology. What's different between Scientology and Dianetics was that Dianetics is all about releasing the mind from the quote, distorting influence of ingrams in scientology is quote the study of handling of the spirit in relation to itself universes and other life so with hubbard resigning due to bankruptcy he was afraid that he would lose the rights for dianetics to purcell scientology was not something new that hubbard had discovered through research like he said it was to make damn sure that no one else made money off of dianetics Like all things, Hubbard came up with Scientology brought all new levels of things that you need to clear in your life. After becoming clear, going through the tone scale, there is now the new level of OT, Operating Thetan. The most famous OT level is OT three because of the whole Zenu story and all that. But we'll get into that for uh, for part three. Teaser. I thought it was coming in this one, but then as I gotta wait another week. (laughs) It's the only good part of the whole story. (laughs) They're giving us Xenu
1: blue balls over
3: here. So the the true soul of a person is a spirit of a being that has attached itself to the person, and that spirit is called a Thetan.
1: No, it's Satan.
3: (laughs) Mike Tyson. Thetans created the universe (laughs) just to amuse themselves, but in the process they lost their superpowers. Over trillions of years, Thetans had gone in and out of bodies, never staying in the same one, but every person has always been inhabited by a Thetan. I'm
0: pretty sure I know the answer, but does he provided any scientific proof or peer review to support this uh, hypothesis? No. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Dave, who's currently your Thetan? Geez, I don't <laughs> know. Have you acquainted yourself with Not him? really, you should, no. You should? It's a
0: new concept for me. <laughs> I'm going to have to get audited. Well, you're
1: not clear. Yeah, you're, you're pre-clear. I'm so. pre-clear for it's sure. Pre-clear. Just a quick check, $5,000. You'll be all right. They'll get you there. Stage one, uh, $5,000. I was going to take a briefcase full of cash down there. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect.
3: You'll jump from a dead body to like a 2.7 <laughs> real quick. To get to OT1, I, I'm pretty sure you're about 100 grand in debt at that point. Jesus Christ. Man. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get no, that. LRH. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All of a sudden, the Bible's not looking so bad. At least that one's free.
3: (laughs) So with the help of Scientology and auditing, a person could restore their Thetan to its superpowers, and then you would become an operating Thetan because we all still have the Thetan in us. So your soul is really a Thetan. Through auditing, you can restore its superpowers, and then you (laughs) yourself are now an operating Thetan. Got it. Meaning you're
0: in control then instead of it controlling you? Kind of, sort
1: of. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, yep. Yeah. let's go with that <laughs> That works
3: If you became an OT You would actually become uh, You'd be better off than Jesus or Buddha Because according to Hubbard They were both, quote, a shade above clear So you're better off than Jesus <laughs> Christ Buddha was enlightened, come on, man <laughs> But he wasn't clear hmm. He was not clear Do you think Buddha went back through Until his womb to figure <sighs> out all that stuff? Of course and, and clear all those ingrams? Yes, I do I don't believe he Buddha had any Ingrams. How about that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hubbard followed up this initial the initial idea of Scientology with this book, Scientology: The History of Man, because at this point we only have one OT level, and in present day it goes all the way up to OT eight. Because Scientology has never under David Miscavige they just keep that trend of there's always something new. There's mm-hmm. always uh, something new that you got to pay for. That's gotta been keep found it out. fresh. Yeah. This book, The History of Man, introduced these things called genetic entities. They are described as low-level souls that are in your body alongside the thetan. They call them GEs, and those, of course, had engrams that needed to be cleared. More sets of engrams. (laughs) Right. Holy moly. So not, not only did you live past lives, you have a thetan in you that has its own engrams, and now we have genetic entities that are also inside your body that also have Ingrams.
1: So Dianetics is just straight up getting rid of Ingrams inside of you. And anytime you think you've gotten rid of all of them.
3: But wait, clear, there's a, more. A whole new level <laughs> of
1: something else that contains
3: Ingrams. Right. And you need to. Uh, you need to clear those to be have clear mind. Right. And now we're at you will be an operating Thetan if you clear that Thetan. I have a question
0: how do we have any idea of how much time this takes like takes up for the average person every week to study this
1: stuff well that's based Is it like on all- it's based on
3: your bank account Dave. <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah it's well it's based on your bank account and um but do you get study
0: materials does it take up uh, all
3: of your spare time yeah you have yeah you have it's not all you do you yeah. studying you are reading these nonsense books there's the books that he wrote and you're auditing that
1: are more confusing than our episode today.
3: Yeah. And you're going through auditing <laughs> constantly levels of auditing. Yeah. You're holding on to the e-meter cans and <laughs> and being taught and going through your auditing process. Okay. I like
0: to hold on to some cans, but those aren't the kind of cans <laughs> I want to be holding on to all day.
3: Wait, well, you know, the thing too, with, uh, with auditing and, and when you're getting to this level, there's there's stories of people legit, like going, not like, going crazy from all this because it, it's like you believe in this stuff so thoroughly and it's like you're pi- it's like piling on more stress it's like all of a sudden you're like oh why I, I got these past life ingrams out and like oh fuck now i got a thetan inside of me and now i've got a genetic entity inside of me it's like freaks people out There's stories of people like really do- doing significant mental damage to people piling on all this stress of it's, it's fucking crazy and at the end of the
0: day it's nothing but a financial scam
3: yeah It really is. For me, this is where things go way off the rails. The book describes numerous incidents that, according to Hubbard, occurred to the Thetan or the genetic entity in past lives. These stages of biological history, some typified by an animal and others typified by other items, were marked by traumatic incidents which have to be, quote, run out using the E-meter. So it's just another way of saying we're clearing Ingrams. So this is kind of our shared evolutionary history as human beings? Yes. So we're going to get into uh, some of these incidents that Hubbard found particularly worth commenting on in this book. Did he ever say where he gained this knowledge from? Research. What
0: exactly was he researching? Just just researching. <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't ask questions. Just open up that... Uh-
0: like, did he find hidden scrolls in the Dead Sea that no one knows about, or...
3: I I know that there's stories about, there's stuff that he found through auditing, like going back into past lives. There's things, there's stuff about that he went to heaven at one point, trillions of years ago. Trillions? Trillions. Listen, pal, open your mind and your checkbook, (laughs) sit there and relax. The photon converter. Essentially, an early photosynthetic organism, such as an algae or plankton, Hubbard deemed the photon converter to be responsible for fears of "quote light and dark, the storms of the sea, the fight to keep from rolling into the surf." So you got that. If you're afraid of the light and the dark, it's because of this photon converter that fucked with algae and plankton. Got it. Trillions of years ago. Trillions of years ago. This is my fate. This is this is the best thing that I've ever read <laughs> <laughs> regarding something. All right, folks.
1: This is this is the juicy part of this episode.
3: drum roll the clam (laughs) was that your drum roll dave i was trying to make you can't roll your r's i cannot (laughs) the clam one of a number of incidents between the helper and the weeper others include seaweed and quote jellyfish incidents which are quite remarkable for their occasional aberrative force encounters between jellyfish and cave walls are held to be responsible for the emergence of quote a shell as in the clam. The clam itself is a, quote, deadly incident involving a, quote, scallop lipped white-shelled creature, which suffered from a severe split personality or, quote, double hinge problem. (laughs) One, (laughs) One hinge wishes to stay open. The other tries to close. Thus, the conflict occurs. According to Hubbard, the hinge of the clam, quote, later becomes the hinges of the human jaw. And the clam's method of reproduction in spores is said to be responsible for toothaches. In one of the most (laughs) famous passages of the book, Hubbard advised that... Should you desire to confirm this, describe to some uninitiated
1: person the death of a clam without saying what you are describing. Can you imagine a clam sitting on the beach, opening and closing its shell very rapidly? Make a motion with your thumb and forefinger of a rapid opening and closing. The victim may grip his jaws with his hand and feel quite upset. He may even have to have a few teeth pulled. At the very least, he will argue as to whether or not the shell stays open at the end or closed. And he will, with no hint of the death aspect of it, talk about the poor clam, and he will feel quite sad emotionally. I just want some seafood now. <laughs> Talking about fucking all this. You Shellfish that? and clams and...
3: Well, he goes on to warn the reader that, quote, your discussion of these incidents with uninitiated in Scientology can cause havoc. Should you describe the clam to someone, you may re-stimulate it in him to the extent of causing severe jaw pain. One such victim, after hearing about a clam death, should not use his jaw for three days. <laughs> so. I
0: believe myself to be a reasonably, reasonably intelligent person, and I have absolutely no idea <laughs> what we're talking about. I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what they're trying
3: to get at.
1: Talking about clams, Dave.
3: <laughs> this is his interpretation of evolution? Yeah, of evolution. The way I read this or read this as is that this genetic entity is the soul of the clam. <laughs> that we came from this clam, that we evolved from clams is how I read this.
1: Say so that last sentence again.
3: We evolved from clams. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's good enough for me
1: (laughs) that doesn't (laughs) doesn't hurt your mouth that does not hurt your mouth (laughs) folks we've been talking for nine pages in notes let's sum this up we've evolved from clams
3: continue but we're not even to the best uh, we're not even done with this evolutionary chain here because now we're under the weepers and the (laughs) boo-hoos The Weeper and Boohoo incidents deal with a mollusk that rolled into the surf for half a million years, pumping seawater from its shell as it breathed. Weepers had trillions of misadventures, whereof the principle was the anxiety of inhalation before the next wave. The inability of a pre-clear to cry, Hubbard explained, is partly hung up in the Weeper. He is about to be hit by a wave, his eyes full of sand, or is frightened about opening his shell because he may be hit. So there you go. If you can't cry, it's because of the weeper, what the weeper went through, being afraid of getting hit by a wave. For half a million years. Trillions. or Oh, he had trillions of misadventures. We, I don't, I'm not sure how many years ago that
1: was. <laughs> but if I can't cry, won't that affect my attitude and hurt me on the tone scale?
3: You could be considered a, what was it, negative 30 was hiding or yeah. <laughs> yeah. still hiding or something. Even though I'm trying to cry,
1: but I can't because of the weeper and the boohoo.
3: I, this just, is, this, I is a, this is like a whole sidebar in Scientology that I did not even know existed until I was mm. deep diving into this. I did not know that this book was even a thing. So, The birds were a traumatic incident caused when, quote, birds of very crude dis- construction developed a taste for clams. As a result of birds' attacks on ancestral clams, modern man su- suffers from, quote, falling sensations, indecisions, and other troubles. So you if you ever this... wondered why you were indecisive on something, it's because a bird tried <laughs> to eat a clam trillions of years ago. <laughs> I mean, it happens. I See, guess. Where are clams? How far down are clams? Do birds even eat clams? Is that real? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. There, there is a lot more to that book. I, I really wanted to just hit on the clams in the uh, the weepers and the boohoos. Um, if anybody's interested, you can go read. The, it goes on for a very long time. We get into there's
1: tons. None of it makes any sense. No.
3: So. A lot of reasons for why we feel the way we feel that make no sense at all. But within a couple of years, Scientology had started to set up small centers all over the world, and in particular England, in 1953 hubbard took over one of these centers in the uk and named it the hubbard association of scientologists international england was a little worried about hubbard showing up with this new religion but he rolled in there telling them that he was a nuclear physicist who turned botanist (laughs) and was using the e-meter to try and prove that plants have feelings (laughs) isn't there that famous picture with the tomatoes hooked up to the Mm e-meter i've seen that that's like the thing that the guy in uh, the Going Clear documentary on HBO said that his opinion was that Hubbard was a really uh, just a sick individual that people went along with him on this journey. because, you Like the FBI guy said <laughs> years and years prior. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he spent hours and hours of time like with putting the e-meter on tomatoes and different plants and shit, trying to prove that they can be audited and had feelings. The signs sure point to it. yeah. Back in the U.S., Purcell gave up his fight for the rights to Dianetics after harassment and some uh, some real-life gang-stalking that Scientology calls fair game, that uh, we'll get into in a bit here. With the fight over, Hubbard officially incorporated the Church of Scientology on February 1st, 1954, and uh, and this was the perfect move for him because even though he didn't get tax exemption until years later, they were still protected under religious freedom laws, certain, that's certain a, laws. That's another whole issue in this country. Yeah.
1: What's that? Do we want to go down that rabbit hole, Dave? Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, this whole religious bending over backwards for people's religious, you know, wacky ideas. It's too far. Sometimes I feel just well, as you make a case, silly I religion I would agree. with silly views doesn't mean you get to have, you know.
3: I think that the tax exemption thing is uh is very, very questionable. <laughs> yeah, especially in their in Scientology's case. I mean, what just,
1: would you propose, Dave? How, how would you correct that, do you think? Well, I'm I mean, not trying to start a whole debate. I don't know. I'm just keeping the conversation going.
0: I don't know, but you shouldn't be able to start a religion and come up with wacky views and the rest, of, like you get an exemption to, to you, the norms of society because you call it a religion.
1: And everyone has to accept it and yeah. you can't say anything about it. Much like Scientology, where when you hate on them, they're going to call you out for hate speech.
3: And I think that's fine, but I think the the... The problem with them is some of the stuff that they've been able to get away with, and re- like in some of their retaliation against people, yeah, is where,
1: and that's more what we're but getting it, into next. Yeah, week. yeah, yeah.
3: Well, the tax
0: exemption thing—no church should have tax exemption. That's just ridiculous to begin with. Yeah, all these churches should pay taxes.
1: Fuck, we gotta pay taxes. They should too. The church and Necronomipod has to pay taxes. We're a charitable mm-hmm. organization, right? <laughs>
3: By 56, Hubbard had written over 60 books on Scientology, about two a month, and each one offered new processes with the, quote, technology. Were they all entirely new books, or were they just kind of updated versions with a few some new chapters? Them, some of them were entirely new. Some of them were, were just, like, updated, like, oh, you know that thing that I said last time about the Weeper and Boohoo? Well... I was doing further research and uh, <laughs> that's not actually completely correct. So now you gotta go back and, and redo that whole thing and that's gonna cost you more money. Just mind numbing the scale of all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they talk about technology, they you, you hear them they always call it the tech, you know, this the new tech this new tech and stuff. It's mm. it's just the belief system. It's their terminology and stuff. It's not there's no real technology to any of it. Despite making tons of money with all these new courses, Hubbard would still duck out on rent and just like, like just leech off of his followers. His landlords were super surprised when all of a sudden he bought the St. Hill Manor building in England for a little over $74,000 in 1950s money. This would be the, the headquarters for Scientology over the next few years. At this point, Hubbard's first son Nibs had shown back up into the picture wanting to be a part of Scientology. Quickly, Nibs was given high-ranking titles in the church. However, he became disillusioned because he wasn't getting all that financial um, the financial benefits that he thought he would get mm. from being the the son of L. Ron Hubbard. Mm. I mean,
0: besides his cool name, did yeah. Nibs have any <laughs> other qualifications to be granted this high-ranking title in the church?
3: Uh no. Nope.
1: <laughs> and Nibs, we touched on in part one. Yeah, so. he's his first
3: his first son.
1: Go back and listen to part one if you haven't. Why are you still fucking listening to part two if you don't listen to
3: part one? (laughs) Nibs had blown the org, which is Scientology speak, for defecting. This pissed Hubbard off royally, and it it made him super paranoid, and it wasn't because, like, oh, I'm I'm losing my son or something. It was he thought Nibs was going to take Scientology teachings out with him and Uh, and do it for himself. Persona non grata. (laughs) Poor Nibs. This paranoia would increasingly get worse, which uh, caused Hubbard to introduce just like straight up police interrogation style questioning while holding the e-meter called sec checks. These interrogations would ask extremely personal and embarrassing questions, which were all recorded and kept on file to be used against someone in case they defected. You want to like put him through a sec check or something? Yeah, yeah. Put me through one. Do I have to (laughs) answer? Absolutely. Fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, am I? Go ahead. Do you
0: collect sexual objects? Yes. <laughs> Does he have to specify?
1: I was just answering the question. You'd be more that specific. Was asked. Uh, yes, I own a 13-inch dildo <laughs> and Benoit balls.
0: Nice. Have you ever done anything your your mother would be ashamed to find out?
1: I have fingered a monkey. <laughs> have you ever peddled dope? No, sir. Do you have any bastards? Three.
0: Are you upset about the security check? No, sir. Have you ever tried to act normal? Yes, I have. Have you ever practiced cannibalism? No, sir. Have you ever had intercourse with a member of your family?
1: Just masturbating to one of them count. (laughs)
0: Yes, it does. Yes, sir. Have you ever had anything to do with a baby farm? (laughs) No, sir. What question in this check shouldn't I ask you again?
1: Have you ever had intercourse with a member of your family? (laughs)
0: Have you ever had intercourse with a member of your family? Yes, sir. (laughs) Are you upset about the security check? No, sir. (laughs) Okay, that concludes the security check
3: these were brutal where it, it, it's like a, it's like a police interrogation that would go on for so long that people would just admit the stuff that wasn't true. That would be recorded. Oh, you mean like regular police interrogation? Yeah, it would be things where people would just, uh, would just basically agree to things or just say shit that wasn't true that, uh, just to mm. get out, get it over and done with. Hey folks, um, just a PSA out there.
0: Don't ever let a Scientologist <laughs> do a security check on you without your lawyer present. <laughs>
3: Or the police, right, Dave? Or the police. His paranoia got so bad during this time that he started doing sex checks on children starting at age six with questions like, What has somebody told you not to tell? Do you have a secret? Who have you made guilty? Have you ever been a coward? Have you ever, ever decided that someday I will grow up and I'll get even? If so, with whom? And are you upset with this security check? I love that fucking question. <laughs> but I mean, a six year old kid, it's ridiculous. And that's why um, the, the rumor of um, what's her face? Uh, Katie Holmes got her herself and her daughter out of that, mm. out of the really? thing. Yeah, it was because of this security check bullshit with uh, like, yeah, you're not doing that to my kid. Crazy. In 1960, Hubbard started issuing out statements about not wanting Nixon to win the election, which caused the FBI to extend their file on him. Like we said before, he was already on their radar, but now with starting a religion and talking shit about presidential elections, they were, they were all over him at that point. When Kennedy was elected, Hubbard was initially happy and offered Scientology to help train astronauts for $25 an hour, Did they have operational flight experience that would enable them to provide this training? You know, I don't know what the training exactly was going (laughs) to consist of. (laughs) He was so confident that the astronauts would be flooding into the Washington, D.C. Scientology Center that he personally flew there to get them ready. Uh, instead of sending astronauts, the FDA raided their center <laughs> regarding false. This is probably my favorite thing of this whole show. They're gonna
0: train astronauts for twenty five bucks an and hour, and he flies
1: there like all proud, like he's like, "I'm gonna greet these guys at the door." <laughs> what does that even mean? It
0: means oh, they're so- gonna make twenty
3: five bucks an hour, Dave. Don't worry about what they're gonna get trained on instead of getting all those astronauts he thought they just got raided by the FDA regarding false claims about the uh, the e-meter and what it could do for a person but <laughs> Look at
1: that of all things that's what got him.
3: <laughs> but it was stu- it was kind of a fuck up by the government because uh, they didn't do any they didn't bring any charges against them for the e-meter and all it did was just like kind of boast this thing of uh we're a religion and now they're you know they're well, there's the, there's those. their enemy
1: now yeah. as every cult has and, and
3: he's always had his enemies throughout this is like people that that spoke out against dianetics or, or things but now that he's considered this a religion and it's like oh now i'm protected yeah no. fuck that in 1965 going with these enemies hubbard formulated the fair game law which states how to deal with, with people who interfere with Scientology's activities. They call these people uh, suppressive persons, which they call them SPs. Could be considered fair game for retaliation. You so, might... necronomopod fans,
1: be ready because we'll, we'll have to battle this here in the coming weeks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Hubbard went on, went on to further say that a suppressive person should be, quote, deprived of property or injured by any means by any Scientologist without any discipline of the Scientologist's. Maybe tricked, sued, or lied to, or destroyed. That's
0: a harsh language. Destroyed. Yeah, throwing this destroyed word around. Yeah. We have said that a couple times.
1: Yeah, tonight. yeah. yeah they, which that, but that essentially sums up how they come after people.
3: Yeah, right. They want to destroy your life. Yep. And this is where you get that that real life uh, gang stalking and and brutal harassment of critics. You could go see that Marty Rathburn guy. He's a high profile defector. There's then documentaries out there. Like they bought a house across the street from him and just put cameras and watched him for years, uh, follow him all over the place. Years, Yeah. And a lot of people have gone through and, and found that they were being followed by uh, private investigators that link back to the church. This brutal, brutal stuff they do to people. The Australian government was already not a fan of Scientology leading up to this, but when they caught wind of all this fair game shit, they released a 173-page a report in October of 1965 saying, Scientology is evil. Its <laughs> techniques are evil. It's the world's
0: largest organization of unqualified persons engaged in the practice of dangerous techniques, which masquerade as mental therapy.
1: Good job. That actually was almost so good that it wasn't funny. It was like you just did the accent.
0: I've been practicing for actually, our Australian fans down under. I actually think that was really good.
1: Mung bean's going to shit on it. <laughs> poor girl just wants a goddamn tank top.
0: I mean, I'll say that quotes 100% accurate descriptions. Oh, here's to you, Australia. Yeah.
1: You mean they finally got things right, Dave? It's
3: great. Good for them. Well, they officially banned the Church of Scientology in December of 1965 which in turn caused the chairman of the National Association of Mental Health to get England to launch their own investigation a few months later. Hubbard responded to this by hiring private investigators to dig up dirt on officials that were investigating him. But these private investigators just turned around and sold the stories to the press. So this, <laughs> they just piled on more <laughs> shit onto him. That's great. So feeling the heat, Hubbard would again buy a boat and head out to see where he could escape persecution – Launching the Sea Org, and that's where we'll pick up on part three with the Sea Org, Hubbard's death, and David Miscavich. Dun dun
1: dun. That's quite a story. Yeah, that was a fucking uh mouthful and a brainful.
0: At this point, I reckon that my Aussie mates are the the hero of the story for banning these fucking
1: clowns way back when. And that FBI guy. Let's not yep, sell him yep. short who tried to call it like it was.
3: And that's the that's the weird thing with them, is cause um you know, I was reading some of the stuff and I'm like, man, that's really uh you, got, you got, kind of got to let people believe what they want to believe, kind of thing. They're just like outright banning them, but then I'm like, I'm falling into the trick. Then I'm like, I'm falling into this bullshit that it's a religion, you mm-hmm. know, that it is a, it is a dangerous, uh, it is a dangerous cult that claims a lot of things that they're not capable of doing,
1: and with no evidence of anything that they do.
3: Yeah, they are just a really predatory cult. Agree.
1: I think next week's going to be extremely
3: interesting, though, to see.
1: See this kind of explode even more and get into the more than all the celebrity stuff, stuff yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. This was a lot of information. I wanted to hit the uh, wanted to hit the belief system and in the tone scale. Even though it, hey, people it makes come no here sense. for
1: thoroughness. If they want to get yeah. the story. This is the story.
3: Yeah. Are we going to be able to get Leah Remini on the show next week?
0: We
1: could talk to her.
3: That would be great. Doubtful. I used to, but I used great. to have a huge crush on her. Oh, and King I like of Queens.
1: her. Yeah. Hey, Megusta. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll talk to her agent. And we'll get her on. Maybe that'll be a bonus episode, so you should join patreon.com slash <laughs> Sign up right now, five bucks a month. It gets you three bonus episodes a month, plus a private Discord where you can chat with all of us and all of the uh, amazing patrons that have already joined. It's a and nice group of folks. It's mm-hmm. been fun. It's, it's actually pretty addicting getting in that Discord. It's a lot of fun. Ian, you got anything else for... Uh, Part two of Scientology?
3: No, I'm, I'm feeling wiped on it, in all honesty. I'm going to take... Did a lot of work on this one. Take this, the Ingrams caused by this, I'm going to throw them into my reactive mind. and Just forget that I ever even typed any of this out.
1: <laughs> Look at you making it all make sense.
3: Do we have People a cancel t- word? We can just snap <laughs> our fingers and cancel it all out.
1: People right now are like, wait, 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 what uh-huh. the fuck's a reactive mind again? What's an Ingram? Dave, you got anything to add to this one? No. We've said, we've said quite <laughs> enough on this. <laughs> He's been tuned out since 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so a quick shout-out to the new patrons uh, of the month who just signed up uh, or of the last week. Thank you to Raven, Wesley Chico, Chris Manaya Kate, John K, and Amanda Sullivan. Thank you very much. You will not regret your decision. Again, that's if you are interested in signing up, patreon.com slash necronomopod. Ian, what shout-outs you got?
3: For iTunes, I have one for Simpson89 t p g s p. GSP. Goddamn. Music and Notes, Weirdo for Life, JMY Dean, Wichita KS. Thank you guys for uh for all the reviews. Awesome. I, I like the the Wichita KS one too. They were, they were honest about that they didn't initially like us, but they've grown to like a, our personalities. oh so. they grew to love us. Yeah. We grew on them like a fungus. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> At first, you hate us, and yeah. then we
1: just take over. Yeah, Dave good. and I like cancerous cells. I get that a lot. Bone. It's okay. Don't feel bad about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> Give us a couple episodes. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for everyone for listening. It's been awesome. Downloads are great.
1: Dave, what you got for us?
0: Uh, from Instagram, Jeremy Moffitt. Zero to 21, Sam Solemn13, and Alexandra
1: Louise. Thanks, guys. Boom. Thank you. Also, another big thank you to CastBox. Um, I think we've put it on the socials, but they actually uh, have had us on their banner, on the front page of their website and their app for the the last few days, and hopefully through the week and maybe even next week. We'll see if we're lucky. But um, if you guys haven't checked us out on CastBox, download the app, and uh, subscribe to the show that actually goes a long way to help us uh, in the eyes of Castbox, and and you know helps us get uh, more eyes on us from other people. So you don't have to download every uh, episode from Castbox. You know, go back and download all the old ones. But if you subscribe to us on Castbox, that helps. So we appreciate it, and thank you to Castbox as well for that. We are on the socials at Necronomipod. Thank you so much for listening.
3: Right, are you guys ready for a pull down beer? Cheers.